loving me I loving you Mothers and fathers Husbands and wives Sisters and brothers Friends for life won't live in the past It's time for another conversation Welcome to Make It Last Podcast I'm your host Nuri Dear It's all about helping us have better relationships Not just with ourselves but other people And one essential component of having healthy relations is really what we put into our bodies, what we eat. So we're going to have a conversation with Jonathan McClernan, who's in Alberta, Canada. You you will excuse yeah. me getting scientific when I'm talking to people <laughs> thousands of miles away in places where I dream of being one of these days. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, a couple of thoughts came to mind just from what, what you shared there when it comes to relationships, because we uh-huh. often think about relationships with others. But I think what we might touch on today is also relationship with ourself, with our body and with food. So really important relationships that we sometimes uh, maybe don't pay as close attention to. Yes, yes, yes. So interestingly enough, Jonathan is a podcaster yes. and he's a nutrition coach. So let's get no before we get right into it tell us a little bit about your podcast because yeah. before we started recording you told me you actually have three so tell <laughs> me do. about all three of them okay well we'll give you try to give you the one sentence version of each one so between the before mm-hmm. and after that's about telling people's stories of overcoming significant obstacles so it's like how they got to the bottom and how they dug themselves out and made something uh it's not so black and white it is a cultural discussion around um, maybe society, politics, kind of difficult issues. We want to encourage civil discourse where where disagreement is welcome, but we want to have critical thinking, compassion, and civil discourse around difficult topics. And then wellness unfiltered is Mm -hmm. we're discussing how we should try to change healthcare so we move away from maybe the sickness model and the waiting to get sick and diagnosed to how do we become an active participant in supporting our health. Nice, nice. Which is a nice segue into what we're going to be talking about, which is emotional eating. Mm. So what is emotional eating? Well, in in short, um, I like to think about two types of eating, I would call, Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe we could say two types of hunger. So we have above the neck hunger and below the neck hunger. And I think Mm. that's a a really simple way to think about it. So when we think about below the neck hunger, that's actual physical hunger. So you feel something in your stomach, maybe a hollow, growly, you know, heavy sort of sensation or an empty kind of sensation. And you mm-hmm. eat just about anything. Uh, they give you potatoes and celery. You're like, all right, cool. I'm hungry. I'll eat that. That's mm. a physical hunger. Now, yes. if we start to go above the neck, now it's, we're talking about psychological hunger. I want a Snickers bar. I want some Doritos. I want ice cream. So now we're not eating necessarily to meet the needs of physical hunger, but to meet a psychological or an emotional need. And so emotional eating tends to be quite specific, what we want Mm -hmm. and and what we're looking for. So in a nutshell, we could say we're looking to change the channel in our head and food facilitates that. Hmm. I'm smiling because I love the analogy Mm. you use, changing the channel. Yeah. Changing the channel. I like, I like that analogy. How then does this impact on our relationship? Let's start about, think, talk about the negative side and mm-hmm. then go to the positive. Well, in, in a sense, it, it changes every sort of eating episode that we have because food is an integral part of the human experience and sharing mm-hmm. food. Um, but then we start to do things that maybe aren't so healthy. Uh, maybe we hide food or we hide our eating behaviors and we start to develop a sense of shame and guilt around what it is that we're doing. 
And so it starts to put this little bit of barrier uh, between ourselves and maybe other people, because uh, now now we're we're struggling with this behavior pattern that maybe we don't feel like we have as much control over, or maybe feel like we don't have control over. And so that starts to shape um, how we, now we start to kind of um, do a little bit of projection. So projection mm -hmm. is where we look at, you know, we look at another person, we assume how they must feel about us based on what we know about ourselves internally. And so, and, and I'm speaking, of course, in very personal experience because I'm a former binge eating food addict. And so um, it, it becomes a really, it can really put a strain on a relationship. You, you just rushed over that that you're a what addict a binge eating food addict you want to talk about that a little bit sure so mm -hmm. uh, because for the sake of time we'll keep it relatively short but i have a, in my backstory i went through a traumatic experience about 11 years ago and i was nearly beaten to death uh, while living in south africa i i wasn't really i don't think anyone's emotionally equipped to deal with it i was not I didn't mm -hmm. know how to deal with PTSD, trauma, and uh, maybe we'll touch on this in another episode to keep it short. But basically, food became my coping mechanism. So all the big emotions, all the difficult emotions that I was experiencing, I didn't know what to do to make them go away or how to stop the extreme duress and distress that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so eating food allowed me to have a temporary escape. And then it becomes a pattern of behavior. So it's like, I feel uncomfortable, I eat food, I feel better. Bingo, the brain just learned something. And now my brain is going to start to direct my behaviors. For you, how then did that impact on your relationships? Because it's all well and good that we always say they're negatives, but mm -hmm. were there any positives at all from, from all of that? Well, here's what, I, what the positive is. This is a story that has, a, to this point, a happy ending. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing what I do now because of what I went through. Ah. Oh. And now I work with people and I have an intimate understanding of their struggle because I have lived mm -hmm. that struggle. I, I gained 120 pounds and became morbidly obese. Uh, that impacted my relationship with my wife because, well, I started to hate myself and hate my body and self-loathing behaviors. Mm -hmm. And then I assumed that my, my wife must feel about me the same way I felt about myself, that I felt disgusted, that I felt gross, that I, I felt like my body had betrayed me. And my wife she's inc i'm incredibly loyal to her she she's she will not give up on me and so wow. through all of this she stayed with me <clears throat> pardon me and so you know it uh uh it really put a strain on it but it was because of all the internal turmoil i was experiencing and so really we could say that emotional eating is a symptom of something bigger going on mm -hmm. some sort of internal struggle happening and then when that starts to spill over into our relationship with other people that's when it starts to affect it negatively Somebody might be listening or watching this, though, mm. Jonathan, and they say, how do I know that it is actually emotional eating and it's not just that I just have this love for food and that mm. I'm a foodie, as, as people right. would say? Well, I like to think of something really simple. Uh, I would call it the plain food test. So I feel something I, feel, I want to eat. What I, I, it's kind of what I described before, what I eat, potatoes and celery. Mm -hmm. some tuna. So something that's not particularly exciting or novel, would I eat that? Yes, because I'm hungry, I would eat that now. But if it's like, no, I'm going to turn down food unless it's a specific thing. Now we're moving into, you know, oh, I don't really feel like eating that right now. I want this. Okay, now there's a more emotional component to it. And I should mention that really, we could say that all eating has some degree of emotional connection True. to it. The, the, you, know, you know, and so I think really at the heart of what we're talking about here is the destructive emotional eating, because mm -hmm. what you won't hear from me is food is just fuel. No, it is not. 
Food is history. Food is family. Food is culture. Mm -hmm. Food is connection. Celebration. Yeah, food is a lot of things. It means mm -hmm. a lot of things. And mm -hmm. so we don't want to remove all emotion and joy from eating. But it's when it starts to tip over and, and the behavior goes from I'm getting joy from this and this is adding to my quality of life to now I'm starting to damage my quality of life. Now I'm gaining weight. My physical ability is being impeded. My relationships are starting to change in a negative way and so on. That's where it becomes more problematic. What if though I'm not gaining weight? How then can I then say that I'm really tipping over to the other side, so to speak? Um, yeah, because that's a really great question because it isn't necessarily always about, about weight gain. But I think mm -hmm. it's just the, you, you look at what what do you feel when you go to eat? Do you feel a sense of internal conflict? Like I am doing something that I know goes against my values. Mm. And and if we're honest with ourselves, we understand that. We go, oh, I, you know, I don't feel entirely good about making this choice. And there's this interesting idea that like, let's say skinny people, quote unquote, get away with stuff. Right. Like, there, there's no getting away with anything. It's only planting seeds. And... When we say that with kids in particular, I think that's problematic. Mm -hmm. Hey, they're young. They can get away with, get away with what? Mm -hmm. e eating junk food sets them up for a lifetime of struggle. And I end up working with them in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, trying to overcome struggles that started in their developmental years. Well, then do you think, because I'm not even going to say that it's cultural because mm -hmm. not necessarily. I think a lot is going to be how we're socialized. Yep. And and in a lot of families, food is an important way of connecting mm. with each yes. other. You know, even even if it's not a special occasion, just mm. being together and having food for a lot of families. You know, absolutely. Yes, uh, sure, and for some families, family it's not. Time, it's yeah. a lot of food. Right. Right. So how how do you quote unquote go against the grain if it is that there are some families where that happens on a regular basis? But for some people, it then can have them tip over the band. So how do we, yeah. you know? So, so let's say, because here's another interesting way that we might, another perspective on emotional eating. Mm -hmm. That's maybe what we would call food pushing. So that is where, because we use food sometimes as a way of showing affection. You know, uh, I'm going to give my kid a cookie so that he feels better. So when we start moving in that direction, or let's say I want to eat some cake, so I go to somebody else and say, would you like some cake? And the other person, if they say, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not really feeling it right now, but thanks for thinking of me. No, no, you should have some cake. And you start to <laughs> insist, I want you to consume this food. And really what we're doing is we're trying to feel better about our own choice to eat that food. So food pushers feel a sense of guilt or conflict around mm -hmm. their food choices, but they try to alleviate that by saying, I'm not alone in my behaviors. I was a person that did this. Are you an emotional eater? Hmm, still not sure? We're going to continue this conversation right after a word from our partners. So, the whole idea of a branding strategy sounded so exotic and so fancy to me. But, after having several conversations with Neon, I now have a clearer understanding. I am sure of what my identity is, what it is that I want people to see Noreen Daily as. Thanks, Neon. Thanks, Splint. Visit them at wearesplint.com. For all your events, such as educational forums, workshops, book launches, weddings, and more, contact Noreen Daily 
the ultimate MC and event host. Visit NoreenDaily.com or follow her on Instagram at NoreenDailyJam. Noreen Daily, creating long-lasting memories. Are you looking for one-of-a-kind products customized to suit your needs? Then shop at Trending Things, the place where customization is always an option. From personalized gifts to apparel, accessories, drinkware, and home decor, you name it, we make it. Get your favorite designs on any item for party favors, weddings, graduations, or any special occasion, all at affordable prices. What are you waiting for? Visit our website at TrendingTings.com to order your trendy item today. Trending Things. Photography is an art, but more so, photography must come from the heart. Precious moments, priceless times. Take a pic and know it will turn out fine. BMC Photography J.A. Beautiful Moments Captured. Let's go. There's just so much to learn about emotional eating, what it entails, and then how it impacts on our relationships. Welcome back to the conversation. So, so, so for, for people who are listening and, and, and are they classify themselves as foodie. What what sort of advice do you have for them to say, you know, hey, let's let's try to just not become emotional eaters and you know have healthier relationships. What what what's the advice for for them? I would say, just become curious about your interaction with food. So begin to observe yourself. Hey, if I'm going to sit down and eat something, what do I feel? Um, how do I eat? Do I eat really quickly? Am I shoveling food down very quickly like a, you know, seagull swallowing a bag of tennis balls? Or, you know, am I, or am I eating slowly? Um, do I experience an emotional high and a low where I feel excited to eat and then I feel terrible afterwards and so on? Really trying to look at it without a sense of judgment, but really a sense of curiosity. What is my experience around my eating and my eating behaviors and eating choices? Hmm. 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 I, 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 I am smiling because I would not want somebody at the end of this show to say, you know, he just spoiled it for me <laughs> and, and, right. and, and, and my, and my appreciation of food. Oh, I still <laughs> love food. Uh, I still really enjoy food, but it looks a little bit different is, is how I might say. So when I was sort of in the, in the worst of my own struggle with food, it was about how much I could consume because I was using that food as, could we say, an emotional anesthetic. So I was using it to sort of numb difficult emotions. I didn't have the ability to sit with them and experience them. So now, let's say I'm going to sit down and eat something indulgent. Um, I now make it about how much enjoyment can I get out of the portion I choose versus how big of a portion can I eat. There are a lot of persons who who will listen and they'll watch this and they'll say, hmm, that that that's interesting, but I don't necessarily have the, for want of a better word, maybe the resources to be more mindful of what I consume because maybe 
for where I am in the stage of, stage of my life, some of the things that I think might be healthier might mm, not be yeah. what I can afford. Absolutely. If yeah. it is that I'm trying to be more mindful. So what sort of advice, because even in your capacity as a nutrition coach, what sort of advice do you have? Well, I, I say we want to let go of this idea of all or nothing where there's one perfect way of eating and every other way. It's like, it's more like a sliding scale or kind of like a spectrum or a dial where you can kind of turn it up and mm. turn it down. And when, when we can, I can mindfully eat a chocolate bar. I can mindfully eat a piece of white bread. It, so regardless of the food that's in mm. front of us, we can still kind of observe ourselves and our eating behaviors. And in fact, when I work with somebody, I don't start with say a nutritional prescription where it's like, you must eat this and this and follow my instructions. Because that's really quite disempowering to the individual to say, I'm the guru, you're the dummy, you have to do what I said, because I told you, you know, I say, no, we're going we're to look at this in a slightly different way. The other thing that I do is I go, okay, what can we do with what we've got? Um, hmm. Well, let's say, could I buy a big old bag of frozen mixed frozen veg from Walmart and microwave them? It's not perfect. It's not, you know, biodynamic, organic, freshly harvested, in-season, bought from your local artisan farmer's market. Right. It's frozen vegetables from Walmart. But that's still better than, let's say, frozen French fries. Mm. And they'll, you know, so we go, instead of saying it's either I'm eating, you know, utterly perfect, perfectly virtuous food, we shouldn't attach virtue to food anyways, but, you know, right. utterly perfect food, or if I can't have that, I'm just going to eat junk. And it's like there is some some leeway and some middle ground in there where we can look at, okay, can I make what I'm doing just a little bit better? Mm -hmm. as, as, as we're wrapping up, because you've said a lot, if, if it is that you had to put it in a three-step process or just really just condense all mm -hmm. of what you just said, for somebody who's still a little bit cynical and saying, I don't know, I still love my food and I'm going to have my food because, mm -hmm. you know, people have different, they say food is the staff of life, different of things to rationalize, whatever. Yeah. Because ultimately, what we put in is going to impact. It will, yes. Yes, it will. How would you then condense all of what you said or in a three-step process to say, this is how you can then avoid becoming hmm. an emotional eater? Well, first thing I would ask is, do you want to change? Because there, there isn't much point in moving forward if you're not in a place where you want to change. So if we decide, yes, I would like to change. Okay. Okay. Number two, why would you like to change? So we get curious, what is it about your present behavior, or the pattern and where it's moving you that makes you want to change? Or what is it you would like differently? So now we've established, yes, I would like to change. And here's why I would like to change. Now we start to get curious about our eating behaviors. So we, we move into awareness mm -hmm. piece. And so, you know, our brain processes 11 million bits of information per second wow but we only recognize about 50 bits per second which is still pretty incredible so most of what we do is done unconsciously so what i'm encouraging people to do is to take these patterns of behavior that you have that are probably automatic and unconscious and just start to observe them with your conscious awareness without mm. judgment thanks so much for sharing jonathan mm. This was Making It Last podcast, where it's all about helping us to have better relationships, not just with ourselves, with other people. I'm Marie Daly. Until next time.
loving me I loving you Mothers and fathers Husbands and wives Sisters and brothers Friends for life 